sure. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Three Geeks Conversation. It's Jason and John. Today, we are joined by Michelle Danner. Michelle, I was looking at your resume, and I, I can't wait to talk to you. Before we get into that, I want to find out more about you. Where, where did you grow up? Where are you from? I grew up in New York. Uh, I Well, it's not true, actually. <laughs> I grew up in New York for the first four years of my life. And then my dad was became the president of the William Morris Agency in Paris, in France. And he moved us all there, and uh, we lived in uh, in Paris for another um, I don't know, twelve years, uh, and then we moved back to New York. And I'm in New York right now. I should tell you that as I'm doing this interview, I'm looking at the most beautiful skyline of New York because I am across from the river, in Weehawken. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I'm looking at the city that I was born in. A very long time ago, but I won't say how many years. <laughs> when when you lived in in France, uh, obviously you picked up the language. So was that was that difficult to to learn the French language? Or well, you know, I was four years old, so I don't think it was difficult. So actually, I speak fluent French and I speak Spanish because I was brought up in Europe. We traveled very much when I was a child, uh, and. I, I speak Italian. My mother was born in Milano. I uh, I speak uh, Portuguese a little bit. So I speak about five languages, and that's been very helpful for me throughout my life because I've traveled all over the world and taught in many different languages. Wow. Okay. Five languages. I'm, I, I asked that because I'm trying to brush up on French. I took it in high school, but I didn't take it very seriously, Michelle. And uh, I've spoken to a few folks on my other on my podcast that are from you know french speaking canada and so i feel like ah i should probably not just be ignorant and maybe learn a few phrases here and there to help out a little bit well i'll tell you i think one of the greatest things and of course it's been a little bit you know hampered with you know COVID and all is traveling all over mm -hmm. the world and understanding different cultures that happen everywhere and and try and pick up and learn some key phrases in different languages for instance What's on my family and I's, you know, vision board is to travel to Japan. So I think when we get closer to realizing that dream, we'll look some, you know, some languages, how to express ourselves, how to communicate um, there. But uh, we just want to go to India. I mean, we have a, a bunch of places that we want to go to that uh, right now we won't. But <laughs> we will, hopefully, in the next few years. Fascinating. So... What do you remember what movie or scene or actor really made you want to pursue this career and uh, acting, coaching? And like, is there one that stands out where you're like, man, I just I want to do that? Uh, I think it probably there's two performances on Broadway when I was a teenager that spoke to me and moved me emotionally and, and catapulted me into wanting to pursue a career in the arts. But I should say that from a child, you know, I was very much into theater and, and performing and I would mount uh, productions in my school. And so the teachers loved me because it was very creative. I adapted the book of the uh, Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas and cast 40 kids in school and did an evening of poetry with dance and music. So I, I, I did that back then. But when I was in New York, I saw Kathy Bates do Night Mother uh, the Pulitzer Prize winning play of um, Marsha Norman. And I'll tell you that just, you know, it was a punch in my gut. 
And then um, Jennifer Holliday in Dream Girls, when she sang the last song of the act, and I'm telling you, I'm not going. Literally, I had like a chill take over my whole body. And uh, I think those two performances just, you know, pierced me to the core of me and, uh, and really made me want to express myself as a storyteller throughout my life. Well, let's talk for a moment a little bit about um, your uh, coaching. Um, I guess my question, being totally kind of not 100% sure of how the, the process goes, what do you look for if somebody comes comes to you and says, Michelle, would you help me out with my uh, acting ability? Is there something that you look for? Is there a quality that you look for to say, okay, I can help this person? Well, if somebody's been cast in a project, which happens all the time, and um, they come to me with help with the character or the script analysis of the script or making choices in their work, um, but that's you know, permanently what I look for is their take. Like, what, what's their take on the character? What are the choices that they're making? And, uh, and then we talk about it. You know, we talk about those choices and we go, you know, we talk about the script. We break down the script, the other characters, the relationships, and, and talk about, you know, what is it that they could do physically? What could they do with their body? What could they do with objects? So we do a whole, you know, in-depth breakdown of it. Okay. Hmm. Um, what do you think is a mistake that many actors and actresses make, um, you know, when preparing for a role? Is there one or is there many or is it just varied depending on the person? Well, you know, I think it's depending on the person. But, um, you know, I find people, actors today, are knowledgeable. Um, and so they know that they have to dig in deep in terms of the character and who is the character and, and people, you know, because there's the internet and, and we have access to so much content uh, and you get to study performances and what works and what doesn't work. I mean, there's such a, you know, um, a slew of things to watch and learn from that I think, you know, by and large people in, in shows and movies know how to make choices. Um, I think it just boils down to, you know, is there another choice that one can make that maybe can, you know, just raise the bar? Because uh, ultimately, the goal is is to illuminate the writing, the story that is being told, and for the audience to move the audience. I think that that those are the ultimate goals, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and so if the choices that an actor makes, that the artist makes, lend themselves to an audience, you know, really being moved by that story. That's what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. What happens Thanks. if uh, an actor comes to you for help and you don't think that you can help them? Like, how, what is that conversation like? That never happens. Oh, okay. <laughs> good, perfect. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Uh, yeah, with the influx of uh, television shows and movies, I am excited to see more actors getting work because I... I love the medium of film and television and so forth. I've liked it since I was two years old doing a one-man show, The Wizard of Oz. Oh, like, wow. I'm right there with you. I, I love I love the experience. And I'm not going to ask you about every client you worked with, but I'm going to ask you about one. I want to know what Christian Slater is like, because I have personally been enjoying his comeback as of lately. And I was just curious uh, what your um, experience was like with him. Yes, I mean, I worked, first of all, worked with Christian Slater a very long time ago. Uh, and uh, 
but but love him. I mean, he's great, and uh, he actually even came to support uh, a theater that we were building at the time. Uh, he's a wonderful, he's a beautiful artist, and he's been doing some really great work. I've also watched him on this Netflix series, and uh, obviously, and, and a lot of other things he's done. But uh, you know, he's uh, he really cares about his work, and uh, and, and you know creating really great characters. So I absolutely agree. He was, he was wonderful to work with. Yeah. I've, I've been enjoying his comeback from Mr. Robot to um, Dirty Dr. John Death. and now Dr. Death. I thought he was really good on Dr. Death. Yeah. he's. Mm-hmm. I want right. to see I, I, Christian Slater is great. I can't. <laughs> well, Michelle, let's talk about a couple of your other projects that you've worked on. Um, you know, most recently you have a, a, a sh- in fact, you have it in the background, you have a film called The Runner. So could you maybe um, share a little bit uh, with our listeners about uh, the process of making that movie and give us a little synopsis of it? Yes. So um, I'm really excited about The Runner. uh, I had the idea of the movie one night after I watched a news report about kids, you know, being forced to wire up by police enforcement so they could bring down that big drug, you know, lord, the drug kinpin of the town. And uh, this particular report that I was watching, you know, ended badly for the kids. And that really moved me and made me cry. And I just started to jot down some ideas. And the morning after, I still was with the story. And I wrote a three-page treatment. And I sent it to um, a friend of mine who's a wonderful writer, Jason Chase Terrell, who wrote the screenplay. And, uh, and, you know, it was meant to be that we should make the movie only because we were not going to shoot it when we shot it. We were going to push it because we didn't have all the financing in place, but we ended up shooting it right before the lockdown. And so therefore I had that to edit while we were at home. Uh, You know, my editor stayed with us and uh, we worked and we worked in a very relaxed way, which was the biggest lesson that I learned. Uh, First of all, it was a story that came out of me that I really deeply was connected to because it had moved me and I wanted to tell it. And then, when I was editing, I didn't feel the pressure of, because we didn't know, you know, it was like March, April, May, June. It was like, what's happening? We don't know what day of the week is it. I don't even know. <laughs> you know, how many hours are we working today? I don't care. Uh, but, you know, we just worked. And, uh, and and I wasn't on that, you know, got to do this and get this done and got to be there. And the pressure of a, of a timeline disappeared. And therefore, I was released and relaxed and you know, it was my great, greatest lesson. And I just kept reminding myself, you have to memorize what this feels like for all your other projects. Um, you know, I've got some great movies that are lined up to shoot in 2022 and 23. And I really want to remember what it's like to not to work without that pressure. That was my, my greatest lesson. But uh, we just closed on a deal with a big distribution company. I'm not at liberty to say right this moment because they're signing it in January. But I'm really excited. The movie's going to be you know released and seen everywhere. And it played a lot of film festivals. We won lots of awards, many more than the ones that are even behind me. Uh, we went to Europe and uh, we premiered at Cinequest. And it was just an exciting ride. You know, I went to a few festivals live. Uh, the Catalina Film Festival we went where we won. Um, and some of them, they were, you know, remote. They were on uh, on, uh, on the internet, which is fine. Uh, so it was a mix. But there's nothing more exhilarating than sitting in a theater with a live audience 
watching whether it's your movie or someone else's movie i like watching my movie we had a screening at the chinese actually uh when was it like a few months ago it wasn't too long ago it was completely sold out oh my god you couldn't have like it was not an empty seat and and people reacted and to watch you know a movie with audience's reaction so visceral and so in the moment i really really love that that is that is a we do occasionally do our show live and when we do it in front of people like that are actually there it's it's fun to get that immediately immediate response and reaction to what you're doing so you know you kind of know like okay i did a good job with this i'm i'm so glad like this is awesome seeing it and just having the people happy and excited about what you're producing to them I want to ask you, what's it like? Like, how does somebody like me go to a film festival? Is that possible? Like, can you get tickets to something like that? Yeah, of course. I mean, the film festivals are geared towards, you know, uh, audience. audience. And then filmmakers are only too happy to have people see their work. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and now, now with this thing that's happening, uh, I have a feeling well, last year, you know, Sundance was uh, online which was great, and South by Southwest was online, and Tribeca was online, and Cinequest, the one that we premiered at, that great film festival was online. So um, I have a feeling it's possible it's going to be online too this year. Uh, but then, in a way, it's great. It's not as good as if you're going in person to Utah and, you know, you're going and watching screenings and Q&As and going to events and parties. Obviously, you know, it's it's better. But I have to say that I did like staying home cozy with my <laughs> hot chocolate and my popcorn and having access to all the movies. Because, you know, when you go to a film festival, you can't watch all the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not, you can't watch all the movies either, but you can watch more than if you go in person. And if you love watching movies, which is... I like more watching movies at a film festival than meeting people, but I like meeting people too. But for me, it's like I just want to see what other filmmakers are doing. That's just really interesting to me. Can we talk, Michelle, for a moment about uh, another role that you had, which was the founding director of the Creative Center for the Arts? Mm-hmm. So could you tell us a little bit about the how you became the director, what the Creative Center is all about and whatnot? Yes. Uh, so we, you know, as much as I'm passionate about film, I am passionate about theater. I love theater, as a matter of fact, you know, disappointed because I'm here in New York and I was hoping that this year we could go see many shows, um, but it's probably not going to be the case. I, uh, you know, and I live in L.A. Uh, and it's important to, you know, f- to do theater in L.A. It's really important. So we've given birth to so many original productions, which I'm a great believer in giving a platforms to writers to develop material. Um, I'm working right now on a, a world premiere of a one-woman show with a wonderful actress, Anne Archer, called The Ticket to the Circus. It's based on a memoir by Norris Church Mailer, the wife of Norman Mailer, and uh, and written by uh, Bonnie Culver. And it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of theater. It's just beautiful. We now probably will start it in February as virtual theater, and then we will mount it on the stage and hopefully go to New York and to London. And Anne is just incredible in this part it's just it's a beautiful beautiful piece so we've been rehearsing that this year um and that's going to uh to premiere at the creative center for the arts and i'm rehearsing also with another wonderful director deborah levine uh, a one-woman show about an authoritarian regime mm-hmm. uh and uh 
It's called Miss Margarita's Way. So uh, we, we're working on projects. We're constantly reading new material. Um, also, uh, the Creative Center for the Arts does an annual film festival, a boutique, a wonderful boutique film festival called Cinema at the Edge. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just, you know, we're, we believe in the power of live theater. And that is why that is something that uh, I will never abandon. And we just got the rights to uh, a big Tennessee Williams play that we're also planning to do in 2022. Lots going on. Yeah, I, I love theater. I went to New York two years ago and saw Beetlejuice on Broadway. And uh, I like that experience of just being in the crowd. I wanted to go to more. Like, I'd love to see Cats and Wicked. But um, oh, yeah, I, you see I, Hamilton, Hamilton Live is extraordinary. I remember going to see it and being jet lagged and, and people, you know, were so like on fire about it. There was such a palpable energy in the audience, which I don't know if it's because I was jet lagged, kind of irritated me. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it's like when somebody tells you, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be mm -hmm. great. And I'm like, well, let me be the judge of that. <laughs> I hear that, that voice inside of me. And then it did not disappoint. I'll tell you, I mean, I told my students that if you have to go wash dishes to buy a ticket to go see Hamilton, then so be it. That's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about your book, uh, The Golden Box? Because oftentimes when Jason and I talk to folks that are in the uh, in the acting world um, or in the directing world or whatnot, um, we often find that sometimes it's easy for those type of individuals to write a book and sometimes it's challenging. Um, what was your take on, on penning your own book? It's challenging because as an artist, you're constantly redefining and you, you're constantly learning. You never stop learning. So you rethink things. And I can only use as an example, you know, Uta Hagen, who wrote Respect for Acting. And then years later, she wrote Challenge for the Actor. And she told all her students, don't read the first one. Read the second one, because I rethought things. And, you know, I feel that that's what's happening to me. I've had this book in the works for many years. As a matter of fact, I brought here to New York like a few chapters that I want to rewrite. Um, I, I don't, you know, and, and because now I have all these movie projects and theater projects, I, I will definitely, I mean, you know, it's my life's work, <laughs> release it. There's no question about it. But I feel like it's, it's very much, you know, when you cut a movie, when you're editing a movie and you edit a scene and you go, I love this. Then you go to sleep and you wake up the day after and you look at it and you go, what was this? <laughs> no, 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 no. This doesn't work. I got to redo this. And you know, it's very much that with with writing. Um, that's what is very complex and beautiful about the craft of acting. It's not a computer program that you can learn and master and go, I got this thing. You don't. You keep redefining it, rethinking it, relayering it. Um, so, you know, I think by the time it comes out, I'll tell you, <laughs> I will have thought about it a lot and rewrote it a lot. But it's there. I've got a great draft of it. It's just a matter of, you know, going, okay, let's go. Let's, let's let it out. Let's release it. All right. Last question from me. Um, and we've talked a little bit about that you've traveled all over, the, all over the world for your various projects and your teaching and whatnot. Can you single out one place in the world besides your beloved New York, that was your favorite place to be? Uh, God, there are so many, but I have to say that I was this summer 
in the island of Ischia. And uh, I had watched this movie throughout the years that I've loved. I don't know if you saw it, The Talented Mr. Ripley with Matt yes. Damon and Jude yes. And you know how Jude Law's on that beach and mm -hmm. he looks perfect. And I always said, where the hell is that beach? I couldn't figure it out. And so I was in Ischia at the film festival because the runner played in Ischia this summer. And I found out, well, this is where they shot it, in the island of Ischia. And I remember the first swim that I took in the ocean, I felt so free and so alive that I have to say, and that coupled with, you know, you can do a day trip and go to Capri, and then an hour away, you have Sardinia. So all those islands in Italy are just so, it's such a beautiful part of the world uh, that this, this made an exhilarating summer, I have to say, and I want to go back next year. Okay, there you go. That is awesome. As soon as uh, we're done with this interview, I am getting on my television and I am watching Bad Impulse because I have a synopsis of it here and it sounds like a lot of fun. And then um, when is the runner being released? I think it'll be released, but we're going to close on it in January, February, March, by April, I think, April, May. Awesome. I can't wait to check it out. Everybody out there, please check out Michelle. She's doing a lot of awesome stuff. And yeah, your your resume is amazing to me. And I, I would love to have the opportunity to talk to you again in the future. Maybe when Runner comes out, we could talk more about that. Perfect. And uh, thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful holiday. Happy New same, Year. Same to you. you same too. to you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you.